We're going to talk all about the risers and fallers in the NHL this week coming up next. You're locked on NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the NHL Power Ranking Show on the Locked On Network. I am Nick Zararis, joined by my co-host, Hunter Hodes. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. So, another week in the books. We've got a weird lull in the schedule here where quite a few teams are off this week. The Leafs are about to play the Senators in Sweden in about two hours after we're recording this. Lots to talk about. Let's get right on into it. What shocked you the most? We, we got quite a few risers and fallers here on this list. Who really, who made a move this week that impressed you? I made a move that really impressed me, I think. Honestly, I mean, the Dallas Stars, man, I mean, they just continue to play lights out hockey. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks also continue to play lights out. They, let's just say it. They're kind of PDOing their way through the NHL standing so far. They're getting great finishing. Their power play is red hot. Thatcher Demko has been amazing. I don't know if they're going to be able to keep this up for an entire season with how good Vegas has been, but man, Vancouver has been fun to watch. It, I, I hope this doesn't go down in flames considering their PDO, but their forwards are great. Quinn Hughes is showing everyone why he's one of the best defensemen on the planet. Thatcher Demko has been great. but So that that's just been kind of surprising me over the last week that they continue to do this and continue to keep pace with Vegas, who's been one of the best teams in the league this year. Again, you have the Dallas Stars. They overtook Colorado. The Avalanche, they started to win a few more games as of late, but the Stars, they've just been super consistent all season. I guess I wouldn't say that surprised me that much, but still, the fact that they overtook Colorado, who's been in that top spot for a while, definitely has at least. But, you know, you have, again, the Bruins, man. I'm really watching that goaltending with them. I mean, they continue to get, I mean, overall, their five-on-five save percentage this year is around 940, 950. Swayman and Olmark have been unbelievable. And they're getting finishing defensively. They're getting the job done. I don't know if this can keep up for a full season, but I said that last year, and then they went on to have the best NHL regular season in the league's history. But, man, they continue to just, I wouldn't say defy logic, but they're continuing to shock some people at this point. So I guess those are some of my surprises from this week. But in terms of teams that I guess fell down, Buffalo and uh, Buffalo and Ottawa continue to be major disappointments for me this season. It sucks that the Tage Thompson injury just happened. And it looks yeah. like he's going to be out for a while, according to Don Granado. One of the best goal scorers in the league. Just makes it that much harder for them to really make a move in a very tough Atlantic division. And then you have Ottawa, who is also below 500 right now, but is not playing really good hockey. But, you know, at least the Oilers, they've fired their head coach and they've won a couple of games in a row. I don't know how much that's going to mean going forward, but at least they're going in the right direction for right now. So for me, the biggest riser, biggest team I've been impressed with is Florida. Uh, They're still pretty dinged up. 
uh, Matthew Kachuk isn't like being a force of nature. He's being very good. He's still at a point per game, but he's not like dominating five on five like he was last year. They're not just in general as a team. They're not playing as well at five on five as they did last year, but they still continue to find ways to win. They got one of the better records in the league. I want to say they're fifth or sixth in the entire league in standings points, something like that. They've been very impressive out of the gate and they're going to get reinforcements soon, which is what's encouraging about that group in particular that kind of because we're still in that early part of the season here where it's only November. And when we're doing these power rankings in the back of my mind, I'm trying to think who has room to get better, who's showing me what they are and who's showing me the potential of who they can be. And Florida is one of the teams, especially based on how they played in the playoffs last year. That's still pretty fresh in everybody's mind, giving you the, the recurring thought of, well, they're playing okay to good right now. And we know they have the capability to get to another level. And we know that they have reinforcements on the way that are going to help them get there, where even if they don't get to the level they were at last year, they still have room to be better than they are right now. And that's just with adding guys they already they already are that are already on the roster. They don't have to go out and add anybody in a trade or something like that, which is really where we're going to transition a little bit later. Second part of the show, I envision talking a little bit about what some of these teams struggling can do to shake things up and try and find their way. You before we started recording, talked about the Islander. We were talking about the Islanders, the Oilers. You mentioned in particular a team that. They finally, they made a decision. Whether or not it's the right one is something we'll talk about in a minute. But real quick in this segment, I'm still kind of surprised Carolina's not putting it together yet. I know they had uh, they had a shutout win. Kochetkov got in there the other day and he picked out a shutout, uh, picked up a shutout victory. But it just doesn't look right yet. They're not playing Hurricanes, Ron Brindamore hockey, which is just, it's weird because for so long now, they've been able to interchange guys in and out of that group and it's, there really hasn't been any noticeable drop-off. But for whatever reason this year, it's just not clicking for them. It's funny. They start off the season pretty slowly. Then it looked like they were turning it around. And we talked about it on the show last week. It looked like the Hurricanes yeah. were going to be just fine. And then the last week happens, Nick, and they just go back to looking like they were at the beginning of the season. They got, I wouldn't say embarrassed by the Flyers last night, but they lost to a Flyers team that they probably shouldn't lose to. And I'll give credit to John Torrell. He has those guys playing really hard. Sean Couturier is playing well. Yeah, Travis Connecting playing well. They're going to be at least a tough out for now until maybe later on in the season until maybe the wheels fall off. But it's just not the same hockey that we're used to from the Hurricanes where, you know, they're very stingy in the defensive zone. They're not giving up a lot of high danger chances. But lately they have been. And it's not indicative of how that team usually plays. So that's something I'm going to really keep my eye on. Another team that I'm also a little concerned about right now, Nick, the Lightning. They haven't been playing well as of late. They've lost six to the last 10, three in a row. I know they're waiting for Vasilevsky to come back, but something about that team, even with you know without Vasilevsky right now, it doesn't feel right, I feel like. I don't think John Cooper has reached his expiration date in Tampa Bay. I think he's one of the three best coaches in the league. But it, it feels like a lot of the hockey they've played over the past few years has really caught up to them, and they haven't looked like the same team this year compared to recent years. And I, I thought coming into this year, a lot more rest would suit them better. But so far, it just hasn't been the same. And, you know, that can change when Vasilevsky comes back. But I'm definitely a little concerned about them right now, even though we're still about a week away from Thanksgiving. It just hasn't been the same with the Lightning. I just don't think they have the horses anymore. I mean, the staple of those dominant Tampa teams of the last decade has been the depth. I mean, we talk about the different iterations, the 1.0s, 2.0s, 3.0s of the Lightning. I mean, once upon a time, the Lightning's third line was 
Palat, Kucherov, and Tyler Johnson. And that was, you know, mm-hmm. eight years ago. And when they won all those cups, it was a third line of Barkley Goudreau, Blake Coleman, and Yanni Gord. Now, you know, it, it's just not the same level of depth they once had. You have to take care of your guys when you win championships. I'm not saying they regret the extensions they gave out, whether it be Point, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, etc. But once you pay those guys, you are not going to be able to maintain the same level of depth you've had in years past. And it's going to catch up with you at some point. They've made some savvy moves. The Brandon Hagel deal has worked out pretty well for them. He's kind of gotten to a tier of player I didn't think he was capable of being. But they just don't have the horses they used to. I mean, the last couple of years, man, you lose Kalorn, you lose Palat, you lose the entirety of that third line, you lose Ryan McDonough. It's just that's a lot of that quality depth you lose over the years, and you're putting a lot of responsibility on the plate of Braden Point, Sorelli, Kucherov, and Stamkos. And it's just hard for four or five guys to carry the load of eight. It's just even as good as those four or five guys are, it's just not it's not feasible to expect them to do over long stretches. Now, Vasilevsky comes back. They rattle off six out of seven, six out of ten. They can get right back in the mix because it's so early. But that's definitely a team worth keeping an eye on going forward as far as what's going on there. And one last team I wanted to throw in that group before we move on to our next segment here. I. I had expectations for Ottawa. I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team, but I thought at least they would be in the mix. They'd be pushing for that last playoff spot. They'd be in that tier with Buffalo, with Detroit, where if things broke right for them, maybe they could have snuck in as one of the wild cards, but it just has not manifested the way I thought it would for them in really any discernible way because there's enough talent on that roster where they should be better than this. I mean, I agree. Like, you, you look at that top six. I mean, you got students. It's later, really right? good. Brady Kachuk's awesome. Claude Giroux is still kicking. We can keep going down the list if you want. But, you know, at five on five this year, this is a team that, I mean, 44.6% of the expected goal share. I mean, they have 53.7% of the actual goals. But in terms of the expected goals, they're not getting a lot. I mean, for, for five on five shot attempts, 47.8% there. They have a plus five goal differential. The goaltending has been kind of a mixed bag. Just – not enough from the Senators this year. And I agree with you. I thought they were going to be in the mix. I didn't have them as a playoff team, but I had them closer to a playoff team compared to where they were last year. And I think this does beg the question with them. Do they need a new voice in the room? I've seen some Ottawa fans that, well, at least a couple that I'm closer with on social media, say that I think they want to see a coaching change at some point. And I know we all know how Brady Kachuk feels about that. He is very much a DJ Smith guy. And he barked back to the media more than once this season after a bad performance, but I agree. I mean, I know the situation there is not easy. We also have the Peter Dorian situation, the ownership situation just finished up, but this team is better than its record. I think right now they just got to start playing like it. And if they don't, I think you may see a coaching change at some point. They're not going to do a, a, a new GM hire probably until after the season, maybe towards the trade deadline or something like that. But this team has got to start waking up sooner rather than later because it's there definitely been a major disappointment this year. And I didn't, I didn't expect them to be at the bottom of the Atlantic. That's for sure. And we are going to talk about what some of these teams like Ottawa can do to kind of change their fortunes coming up next in our next segment. But first we are going to talk about our friends over at game time. I am trying to get tickets to go to Rangers devils on Saturday. First time these two teams are linking up this season. And I, for one, I'm tired of all of these ticketing apps. They are all so frustrating. They are all so opaque and difficult to use and the hidden fees popping up on you and not being able to see what the view looks like from your seat. But what makes game time great 
the last minute ticket deals that you need to get to the best events you are trying to go to. When you are looking for tickets, the biggest thing I am looking for is the view. I want to know what I am walking into. There are more that even in today's day and age with all these modern arenas, there are terrible sight lines that sneak up on you and you walk into the venue and you can't see part of the ice. You can't see below the goal line on game time. You can see your view from your seat. It has the very nice feature of all in pricing, which shows you what your ticket is up front. There is no hidden fees when you get to the checkout screen. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NHL. That is L O C K E D O N N H L for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today, talking all things NHL on the big picture grand scale. So there are quite a few teams that are kind of mired in weird situations right now that come to mind. The Islanders, the Devils, dare I say, Ottawa is in that mix as well. And those are teams that have, I don't want to say an obvious solution to their problems, some of them are a little more extraneous out of their control. The Devils are injured right now. Timo Meyer didn't practice today like we were talking about. They're also currently without Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Anytime you're missing two of your three, four best players, you're going to struggle as a team. But as far as fixing your team in season, I know a lot of people liken the in-season coaching change to the sugar rush. It's just a quick solution. It's a band-aid. It doesn't really address the institutional issues that your team might be facing with maybe roster construction. But as far as in-season coaching changes, when do you feel like it's too early to make a decision? Because I feel like that's really the only thing that's keeping some of these guys where they are right now, especially in regards to the Islanders in Ottawa. I feel like too early is... I mean, I feel like it's it's still around now. I felt like the Oilers, with their coaching change for Jay Woodcroft, I personally think they fired the wrong guy. I think Ken Holland should have been the first to go there, but that's just my opinion on that. I think that was a little too early to fire him, considering his winning percentage. Right now, I guess you can definitely argue that it is too early, but for a team like the Islanders, it's a different situation because Lane Lambert just hasn't gotten the job done there. And I don't really know what the plan is on Long Island, they're kind of just stuck in neutral. You have all these long contracts with all these no trade clauses, all those no move clauses, and a lot of these players are just not performing up to par. I mean, even Ilya Sorokin, who I think is one of the three best goalies in the league, he has not been elite this year. They have Barzell, Horvat, and Nelson. I mean, they're fine, but some of these other players outside of those guys haven't been performing. Defensively, they've been a mess. Their penalty kill is hovering at 55% this month, which is atrocious to say the least. And they just continue to lose games and blow a lot of leads in the third period. I don't think it's too late for them to make a coaching change right now. In terms of Ottawa, I think it would this you can go either way with this one. Because DJ Smith, I don't think, has gotten the best out of this group that maybe another coach could. So I think this could be a time to do it. But a team like, I mean, obviously the Devils, that's just injury-related, right? You, you said it. He shares out. Hughes may come back this weekend against the Rangers. Timo Myers, a game-time decision tonight, according to Lindy Ruff. But 
I think it's too late to make a coaching change. Usually that's in like January because at that point you're bottom almost halfway through the season at that point. At that right now, you know, you're about what, 14, 15 games into the season. That's still, again, like a decent sample size, I think. Sometimes it's a little too early, especially for a team that you would expect to contend. Like, again, example for the Oilers, I felt like it was a little too early. You had to make a move, but I feel like it should have been someone else. But from a team like the Senators who, you know, had some expectations this year, but not cup contending expectations, and you're not even living up to potentially being a playoff team, I think that would make sense to Islanders as well. I think a lot of people expect them to make the playoffs, but they haven't been up to par either. Those two would make sense. I think it's honestly on a case-by-case basis right now. But, you know, it gets harder to do the later you go on in the season. I know the Penguins did it in December in 2016 when they hired Mike Sullivan. That was borderline, right? You know, you're getting close to the end of the year, but you still had time to turn around. The Penguins played some of the best hockey once Mike Sullivan, you know, was hired. But those, it, it, it still, it gets tougher is what I'm trying to say. Firing a coach should be your last resort to trying to shake up a team. I feel it's the easy solution, which is why a lot of teams do it, frankly. It's also hard about things, I think, at this time, too. Exactly, because a lot of teams still think they're in the mix, so they're going to be less inclined to make a move before they have to. I I know we were, Jess and I were talking about it on Locked on Flames yesterday, that the Flames should just start making these moves now because they're wasting everybody's time over the next 30 games between now and the trade deadline to not start trading these guys off. But at the same time, the team still needs to incentivize people to care about the team. Whereas, you know, there's a spin zone there. And speaking of the Flames, who we can talk about in this segment about to shake them up and get them going here, I think they're giving themselves the obvious solution here. They are not good as currently constructed. You have a tangible proof to show to your fan base and your owner, hey, these guys are all good, but they don't fit together. We need to change this team up. And even if you want to do the Ross, you want to do the hockey trade. You want to trade like the example I gave yesterday was if you wanted to do like Noah Hannafin for Jake DeBrusque one for one, I would want draft picks and prospects as opposed to a roster player right now for where the flames are. But if you wanted to just shake things up, that's the type of move you need to enact. That's something we can see from some of these teams that need to get something going here is don't just fire the coach because you need a new voice. Do that as your last resort. Have you tried every configuration of your team you can? Have you called up an AHL guy or two to look for a spark somewhere in your lineup? Have you talked to making trades? Have you tried to improve your roster externally? Just firing the coach does not address usually the root causes of these issues. And while you were talking, I went and looked something up because I forget what who I forgot who it was. But Lula Morello did this when the Devils were still in the heart of their dynasty where they fired their coach. I want to say it was two weeks into the month of November and they went on to win the Stanley Cup that year. It is it can work. I'm just saying I don't like teams doing it as their first choice as a solution to underperforming expectations. You got to perform the Jim Rutherford special, man. We saw that here in Pittsburgh when he was here. It was a few seasons ago when the Penguins were really struggling out of the gate. Rutherford ripped the team to the media and saying, if this doesn't change, I'm going to do something about it. Obviously, he's not going to fire Mike Sullivan because he's one of the best coaches in the league, but he pissed off the locker room when he traded Carl Hagelin for Tanner Pearson. That really got the team fired up to say the least and they started playing better hockey after that but let's face it they were pissed off i I remember it vividly and a gm like that you you see it you've seen it in the past at times too that can happen when you trade someone in the locker room that players love 
to send a message saying, hey, if this isn't going to get turned around, I'll just keep, I'll just do this again if you want me to. And, you know, sometimes teams sink over it. Sometimes others swim. But in the Penguins situation, excuse me, they swim a bit. I know they didn't get the result they wanted in the playoffs that year, but it definitely woke them up at least a little bit at that time. And I do think you may see that with GMs at some point here over the next two weeks to month. I know you don't really see a lot of early season trades. You said it. Teams are still trying to figure out how good or bad they are. You don't really see selling until December, January at the earliest. But that's still something that I feel like more GMs should try to do is a big shakeup trade during the season instead of firing the coach. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And we are going to talk about some teams coming up in our next segment that have the potential to get better and what they're going to do to start getting better. But first, we are going to talk about our friends at FanDuel. Tonight, the Ravens are playing the Bengals. Very big game in the AFC. Chiefs-Eagles on Monday. We are in the thick of the NFL season. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. If you are not in your group chat with your friends trying to cook up a six-leg parlay for primetime football, you are not doing football right. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, Player props, very underrated. Go in there, do your homework. There are opportunities, over-unders, and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And moving right along into our third segment of the day. So there are plenty of teams here where it is so early, they have the opportunity to start to still make moves to improve. I think realistically, we're we're both in the same opinion that Carolina and the Devils will get better than they are currently playing right now. Washington is probably not as good as they are playing right now. Philadelphia is probably not as good as they are playing right now. Right. I I agree with that. I think at the end of the season, you are going to see New Jersey and Carolina in the top three of the Metro. Washington has really surprised me so far. I've looked at their hockey stat cards after every game. Almost everyone is in the negative. And I'm like, how are they continuing to win like this? And then you go look at what Lindgren is doing in net. And it's like, oh, okay. So they're getting really good goaltending, basically. And heck, honestly, Alex Ovechkin hasn't even been that good this season. He only has four goals. Yeah. Right. I mean, he hasn't been nearly as good as he usually is to start the season. We all know he's, I mean, in my opinion, I think he's the greatest goal scorer this league has ever seen, but he hasn't played at a high level. It's just, it's been the other players around him. Like Dylan Strom has been great. You have TJ Oshie playing well and the backstrom injury. While it's hurting them, it's not hurting them as much as maybe I thought it would ever since he's been out. And they're continuing to play sound defensive hockey, get good goaltending. I'm not sure how long that's going to last, but at least it's giving Capitals fans at least some hope. The Flyers, I don't think they're going to be this good later on in the season, but I said it earlier in the show to you, Tortorella always has his teams playing hard. That's just how he's been as a coach throughout his coaching career. He's And if his team does play bad, excuse me, he's going to let them hear it, obviously. 
Carter Hart has been pretty good when he's been healthy this year. I said Sean Couturier. He's been banged up a lot these last couple of years. At least when he's healthy, he's still showing that he can be a pretty effective player at the NHL level. I still just don't think they're going to continue this overall for the rest of the season. Danny Breer knows that this team is still in a rebuild. I don't think he would expect them to make the playoffs this year. But, you know, at least those two teams are giving their fans, you know, some hope this season, even though I think it's probably going to go a bit south over these next couple of months. So bouncing over in the Atlantic, I think Tampa Bay has room to start rounding into form a little bit more once they get Vasilevsky back. But really, other than that, I think the Bruins, Leafs and Panthers are pretty solidified. And then Tampa is the only other team with a real possibility. Detroit's been fun. They're a decent story. I just don't buy it over the course of a long season. They've gotten decent play from their core guys, but that goaltending group is not particularly convincing. I think they are most liable to move down and Tampa most liable to move move up and then Montreal you know full on rebuild Buffalo their best player just got hurt and they haven't gotten the goaltending they thought they were it's a tough it's a tough season for Buffalo because they were really fun last year and they had an opportunity but it just doesn't seem like it's going to come together for them this year my Sabres take for them making the playoffs this year is probably going to age like milk to be honest I was really high on them heading into this year after how they finished last year Nate. they were fun they were so close to getting in Devin Levi was incredible down the stretch, but this year just hasn't been at that level. And I know it's different because last year it was a very small sample size. You have a full 82-game season now. You get to see how good he really is for this. Hasn't been up to par just yet. As you said, Tage Thompson, one of the best goal scorers in the league, he's been banged up. And some of their other fours just haven't been up to par either defensively. They've also been a little bit of a wreck this year. Just maybe not ready just yet, or maybe not as ready as I thought they were. Overall, Montreal, I do see them falling a little further behind in the standings. It's been nice to see them at seven and seven and two, but I don't think this is going to last too much longer. I mean, they have a minus 10 goal differential, which is the worst in the division, and they're still ahead of a couple of teams. I do think Tampa Bay is probably going to move up, hopefully, once Vasilevsky come, comes back. The Red Wings, they had that really nice hot start to the year. They yeah. let the league on fire, looking like, oh, this team is maybe going to make the playoffs, break their drought, and they still may, and they're just not playing as good as they were maybe two, three weeks ago. And then and just going back to the Metro just for a second, you know, it's been nice seeing the Penguins win five in a row. They honestly probably saved their season with that five-game winning streak. There are a couple points out of some of the top teams in the Metro, but nasty stretch coming up for them. I think we're going to see what the Penguins are truly made of when these next few games against New Jersey, Carolina, Vegas, Rangers, Toronto, Buffalo is in there too. We're, we're going to see what, what this team is made of over the next couple of weeks. All right, we've been showing our East Coast bias and talking way too much about the Atlantic and Metro this entire episode. So real quick, to hit the Central and the Pacific. The Ducks are very fun. I don't think the Ducks are actually good, but they are very entertaining to watch. If you haven't stayed up to watch the Ducks on one of those 10 p.m. puck drops, do do yourself a favor and do that before the magic wears off because all of their games are very exciting. They generate a lot of offense, and they play no defense whatsoever. John Gibson is not a corpse this year. Also, he's actually playing decent hockey for a change. And he's been really bad these past few years, Nick, but he's turning it around this year, which is nice to see because I do think the league is better off when John Gibson is playing at a high level. I just didn't think he would get back to this at some point, but it also does help that the Ducks are not nearly as bad as they were last year. You're right, man. They're fun. I mean, Zegras is starting to wake up a little bit. Mason McTavish is incredible. Matrano's off to a hot start. This team can score, but as you said, they can't defend whatsoever, so it makes watching their games so much fun. Yeah, they are in that category. 
Arizona, I would also put in that category of scrappy, pain in the butt to play against, annoying type of team. They they deserve a little bit of love where they are. They're only fifth in the power rankings for the Central Division. But I could see a world where they could jump the Blues, where the Blues are the Blues are the How epitome. Are doing of, this? That's my question. <laughs> it's pure. I think it's realistically just that they're not they're they might be the best bad team i know we talk about that idea a lot in football where there's the schedule is a lot shorter and the games are typically a lot closer where you're just the best bad team so you beat the other bad teams but you lose to the good teams that might be what the blues are where they can beat all of the bad teams you know there's a good 10 to 12 teams in the nhl that just aren't good and that'll buoy you for large stretches of the season until you have to start playing either your divisional games or good teams and i think minnesota it might be in trouble but I think that bears a little more. I think I need to watch them a little bit more. I saw them in person last week and I've only watched a handful of their games over the course of the season, but I need to investigate. So we'll come back next week when we reconvene and I'll talk a little, I'll have some notes on the wild because they're, they're a weird team. I can't really get a finger on what the issue with them is. I don't think they're this bad. They, they no, I don't think so either. No. And I know they have obviously the very obvious cap recaptures on their salary cap right now. And it's going to continue to be that way for the next few years. That's really hindering some of their ability to make some of their, these hockey trades just because they have all that money tied up to some of these players. But I really don't think they're this bad. I mean, Phil Gustafson was great last year. Hasn't gotten to that level just yet. Kaprizov's obviously incredible, but I, I want to believe that the wild will turn this around because I do think when they're playing well, they're probably the third best team in this division, but Talent wise, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. Talent, talent wise, talent yeah. wise, Minnesota is the third best team in this division, and I don't think it's particularly close. But yeah. they haven't played up to their talent. It's it's the same thing I say all the time in regards to the Flames. It's great you're a talented team, but if your talent doesn't play well, you're just not a good team. Right now, I, I agree with you overall. And just looking ar- around the rest of the Central here, we all know how bad Chicago is, but Connor Bedard is probably going to win the Calder. He's been unbelievable to start this season. And then Nick Nashville, five and ten. I still don't know what the plan is for the Predators and Barry Trotz. Is this a plan to be really bad this year? Consist- but not. They made a lot of moves that looked like they were trying to make the playoffs over the offseason, but. That's just not working out right now. And I like the Andrew Burnett hire. I think he's going to be a good coach in this league. He showed it with the Panthers. But so far, I just don't know what the full plan is for the Predators. But I feel like they should, honestly, thinking about bottoming out and starting over just because I don't think this team is close to a playoff team right now. And it also doesn't help that UC Soros is not having a good year as of yet. That is a good idea for something we can discuss next week in yeah. one of our segments. We will talk about teams that are in that middle class and what they what direction they should go in. But that will do it for this week's episode of the NHL Power Rankings. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts available on YouTube as well. That will do it. Hunter, any last words before we get the people out of here? No, I mean, I really appreciate everyone listening to this one. I mean, you said it for the Pacific. It's been a lot of fun. Vancouver and Vegas are having a blast going blow for blow, for blow excuse me, with each other. L.A., I think, is a contender this year. The Ducks are fun. But outside of that, that division is just really not good. And, you know, I still feel for Sharks fans. It's going to be a long year for that poor, poor franchise out there. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us. We'll see you guys next week.